G'day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to Series 9 of This Week in Startups Australia. Throughout Series 9, we're focusing on one question. What is it that makes a successful startup? Is it a great idea, a great team, great customers, or something else altogether? This is an important question for all startups, a fundamental question. And on this series, we're looking for answers. We're talking to people who have been successful and ask them how it happened. That part of our story continues with this episode as we talk to someone who saw the pandemic transform their business. Sylvia Pfeiffer's startup CoView was in exactly the right place at exactly the right time to benefit from a sudden and comprehensive transition to telehealth. How has she used that transformational moment to power her startup to success? Sylvia will be sharing what she's learned about making the most of opportunities on this episode of This Week in Startups Australia. This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by Squarespace. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform to build a beautiful online presence and run your business. Go to squarespace.com twista for a free trial. Twista is sponsored by Odoo, a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that lets you build and scale your stack as you build and scale your business. Go to odoo.com twista to check it out. This Week in Startups Australia is also sponsored by User Testing. Experience what your customer experiences with user testing. Request your free trial at usertesting.com slash twista and get the fast human insights you need to make more informed business decisions at scale. Twista's production partner for Series 9 is UTS Startups, where they're equipping a new breed of startup founders by inspiring students to launch their own venture and build the foundation for a successful career. To learn more about UTS Startups, go to startups.uts.edu.au. In the depths of last year's pandemic, we did a show featuring two startups that had paradoxically found their greatest growth during the pandemic. And when the Australian government had radically broadened access to telehealth services through Medicare, Sylvia Pfeiffer's Kofi was still a young, small startup. And almost overnight, the number of inbound sales queries she reported on the show had increased by about 10,000%. So when we caught up with Sylvia, this is almost exactly a year ago, she was doing her best to take advantage of the good problems she had. Too many customers, too many sales, too many new staff, too little time to do it all. And I thought it might be a good idea to swing back around and have a look at Coview from the other side of the pandemic, at least in Australia, and learn something of what Sylvia has learned through this experience. So Sylvia, welcome back to This Week in Startups Australia. Thanks for having me back. All right. So we left things on a bit of a cliffhanger. Covia was growing very rapidly. You were doing your best to cope. What happened next? Well, we did very well in Australia with the pandemic. Um, That's what happened next. So as part of that, 
people that had jumped online very quickly um, and really started interacting with their clinicians via video and phone uh, telehealth uh, decided to go back to in-person consultations. Um, and so the usage did slow down a fair bit. Many clinicians actually think that telehealth is just for the pandemic. Um, and that, that whole thing led to um, patients actually getting a taste for telehealth. Ca patients really wanted to take up telehealth uh, and, and uh, liked the idea of seeing their clinicians via video. Um, so we did a, uh, a consumer research just recently and 70% of all Australians think that GPs should offer telehealth, video telehealth for patients. However, um, only about um, 10 or 20% actually picked it up. Um, now, here's another interesting statistic uh, that might make some GPs uh, listen up a little bit. So 44% of patients would actually switch their GP to one that offers telehealth because they've become so accustomed to it. So this is really going to become a point of difference now for GPs. I mean, we've seen, and another time we couldn't tell because we were still very much in the middle of it, but we've seen how much behavioral change, particularly about going into the office, remote working, hybrid working. But you can see that that kind of that that triplet of going in or being remote or having a blend, that that triplet is showing up pretty much everywhere else. And what you're saying is that, in fact, Coview is finding that that actually showed up in what you're seeing from patient data. Absolutely. Um, patients are very keen to change the way that they're seeing um, uh, clinicians, seeing their GPs, seeing their allied health providers. Um, it's particularly dominant for mental health, as you can imagine, uh, but even busy professionals would prefer to see their GP via video call from uh, from a from a lunch break uh, rather than having to take half a day off just to to go in for a for a routine check. Because again, it's around being able to capitalize on the flexibility that everyone has now. So when you see this sort of snapback, and I, and I agree with you, I'm seeing a lot of people, particularly in the C-suite, who want to basically magically wish everything back the way it was in, say, February of 2020, before the world had been affected by the pandemic. And I see actually a fair bit of magical thinking about whether that is possible. Are you starting to now see some of these practices come back and say, okay, actually, our patients need this and therefore we're going to use this? Yes, we do. We've seen um, a much larger uptake than we had before the pandemic, and that has stayed with us. Uh, a large number of practices that have jumped online have picked up video telehealth properly and included it into their workflows, have decided that it's, you know, the next best thing uh, to, to seeing people in person and uh, they can actually deliver high-quality care through video. Um, and it's also given them flexibility in the way they work. But uh, it's not a mainstream capability yet. It's not something that the mainstream in Australia has, has adopted yet. So we're, we're in that space between having had a taste of it and actually making a decision that this is a way forward then. We are very much. Um, I believe that um, last year with the pandemic, patients and also clinicians have had a little bit of a taste of the future of healthcare. Um, and and um, as a consequence of the pandemic, where we had so little patient contact, pa people have decided they just want to, you know, enjoy going back to in-person contact for a bit. And they're now digesting what they've learned last year. 
Um, and uh, um, as part of that, they'll come a proper implementation of telehealth, something that clinicians have actually got the time to think through, that healthcare practices have the time to think through and, and, and uh, plan um, and set up properly rather than in a in a you in know, an emergency a manner as was necessary for the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. All right. When we talked to you, you were onboarding employees as rapidly as you could. And you were doing it all remotely because none of us could basically leave our houses at that point. How many employees did you, I think you were sort of getting to around 30 when we talked, is that right? And how many do you have now? Yeah, we were, I don't know whether we were at like 25 or 30 when we last spoke, um, but we've scaled up. Uh, we're now at about 42. Um, and uh, before the pandemic, we were seven. So <laughs> as you can imagine, that's a really rapid growth. Um, and because of the pandemic, we are still a remote first company. All of our employees work remotely. Some of our employees live in rural Australia, rural New South Wales, uh, rural Victoria or, Qu or Queensland. Um, we've got a small office in Sydney, a small office in Brisbane, uh, no office in, in Victoria, although we've got three employees there. Um, it's it's uh, become a standard way of working for us, uh, and it's working really well for us. So we, we have no problem with that situation. We, we embrace it. You get the best quality staff if you can take them wherever they live. And I, I, this is a yet another one of the lessons that all businesses have learned around the pandemic is that, in fact, employees treasure a certain amount of flexibility and freedom. And if you can meet them there safely, and this is you embodying exactly what you're offering to doctors, but in your own practice. Exactly. Um, that's one of the big, big things that healthcare businesses can consider as well. Um, they can expand the size of their practice without having to build an extra office or rent an extra office for it or hire extra staff. Um, they can get another doctor um, that is just working remotely uh, and offer the telehealth services. This has been one of the interesting developments we've seen. Healthcare practices that have gone back to in-person but decided to add a clinician that would just take over all the telehealth services for those patients that would like to see them via telehealth. Um, a, a very new kind of business model for healthcare, something that is uh, being explored. Wow, you're, you're absolutely right. That is, it's something they would not even have thought of back in February of last year. That they're just like, wait a minute, this is a new way we can deliver service to customers. Absolutely. All right, you grown so your staff's grown six hundred percent, right over that year. So seven to forty-two. That's six hundred percent, and revenues have grown and all of that. How has that growth changed your needs for capital as a startup? Because we all know that growth is one of the most expensive things. Not only is it disruptive, but it consumes capital at a rate of knots. So how has that had to change how you've had to plan the capital needs for the business? Very good question. Um, we have actually since last year raised $6.8 million in venture capital and uh, that's support to support our mission. Uh, we're working to bring video telehealth to all Australians, uh, just as, as our consumer research said, 70% of Australians think GPs should offer telehealth. So we're working to actually make that reality. Um, and um, that requires technology beyond what we currently have. We've realized the gaps in our technology. We've realized all the extra work that needs to be done. So we've received investment to build out our product to market fit. Right. So 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 
the the curse of success here was wait if we actually really truly want to scale this then we actually have to go back and build things differently well build things more extensively to uh, uh, rather than like the basis is there of our product um uh, the the capability is there but we also know that um customers that have used us have have hit the limits of what is uh, what our product is currently capable of uh, for example, we cannot currently support um, group therapy. Group therapy is one of those key things that are mm. really important. Um, and so we're working around the requirements of organizing, setting up and running group therapy sessions. Okay. Now, given, okay, so you've taken in and congratulations on doing a successful raise. That, that's a very good thing. I, I'm hoping that people went, oh my God, you're in telehealth here, take my money. <laughs> um how has the enormous growth that you experienced changed what you saw as your plan for the business? Are you getting there faster or, or, is it, or has it really changed the idea? Mm, that's a, another very good question. We have indeed achieved our goal much, much faster. So our goal was to enable Australian healthcare businesses across the board with video telehealth. Um, and, and the pandemic took us there uh, very quickly. So we've had a lot of businesses in allied health, in GPs, specialists, even hospitals uh, have picked up telehealth um, uh, NGOs, uh, you know, you, you name it. Anyone in healthcare has had to think about how to use video telehealth just to stop um, the, uh, the the person in person contact, um, and and that's worked quite well. Um, but it's also exposed um, those those product needs that uh, we hadn't satisfied before, um, and uh, so that's really driving our strategy now and 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 driving our uh, continued plans. And in addition to that, we've also used some of the funding that we've received to invest in, in, in U.S. growth. So going outside the borders of Australia and saying our product is good, we know we can sell it elsewhere, elsewhere as well, uh, let's set that up in the U.S. And, uh, and, and help while the U.S. is actually in a stronger um, problematic situation than we are here. We got out of the pandemic relatively quickly, at least the, the, the tough parts of it, while the U.S. Uh, took, took a lot longer. You're listening to This Week in Startups Australia. We will be right back. Twista is proudly sponsored by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform to build a beautiful online presence and run your business. With Squarespace, you can blog, publish content, promote your business, announce upcoming events and special projects, sell products and services of all kinds, and much more. No matter what you need to do online, Squarespace has the answer. Don't take their word for it. Here's what the folks at Remote Demo Day have to say. Back in 2020, they decided to create Remote Demo Day for founders to pitch to thousands of angel investors live. They purchased the domain RemoteDemoDay.com and they had the site up and running in minutes because Squarespace is so easy to use. Remote Demo Day has been a success so far and Squarespace has played a huge part in that. From websites to online stores, from marketing tools to analytics, Squarespace has what you need to succeed online. Go to squarespace.com slash Twista for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the code Twista to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. 
That's squarespace.com slash twista. And we're back talking to the founder and CEO of telehealth startup CoView, Sylvia Pfeiffer. All right, Sylvia, in the recent federal budget, and we talked about the federal budget extensively in the last episode, the new special. One thing we didn't talk about was the decision that was made in the budget to continue the broad extension of telehealth services for the vast majority of Medicare users. But that said, the government made it clear that there was no means guaranteed that that was going to continue into the future. And it could be that as we all draw a line under the pandemic at some point in the next few years, that the government's basically going to try to ensure that we all show up and be face-to-face in our GP clinics again. If that happens, what happens to COVID? I like to think of the future um, as an opportunity. Um, And um, I think that the government has decided to also think about the future in this particular instance. So Minister Hunt announced at the start of the pandemic um, that we've made 10 years of progress in basically 10 days uh, around telehealth Medicare items. He's announced that and he also has announced uh, in about November or so that he will make this change permanent. I'm an optimist and this far it's been uh, a, a permanent extension uh, well, not not quite the permanent extension yet that we're looking for, but uh, he has permanently uh, reviewed that state and has extended it. So first in October last year to March this year uh, and then to July this year and now to the end of the year. Uh, we expect that um, we, we actually expected in the recent budget that it might become permanent, but that wasn't the case. So um, I think it might actually happen later this year particularly if we continue to use telehealth as often as possible as, as, as patients uh, and vote with our feet and demonstrate to the government that this is something that we want to continue using. Um, so I, I would encourage everyone to help with that transition and to show the government this is something that we want to, to retain. Turning my listeners into your lobbying army, I like that. That's very smart. But how do you as an entrepreneur manage that kind of sovereign risk that the government could on a whim or on a brainwave decide all of a sudden that telehealth is going to be restricted to the very narrow set of use cases that it was in, say, February of 2020? Yes. So right now, universal telehealth Medicare items exist and we continue to encourage their uptake uh, by practitioner. Um, It's, of course, a problem uh, for healthcare businesses if they can't rely on these items and therefore... Uh, they won't be doing a permanent investment in these items. They won't. They won't be investing in hardware, in training, etc., to to start that digital transformation of their businesses until they know that the government has committed to these items being permanent. So um, one of the things that I find really important is is to continue to encourage the use of telehealth and to continue to um, lobby the government in every way, shape or form possible to to, uh, retain thoughts around making this possible. Um, Many businesses are seeing it as as an opportunity to to diversify uh, themselves already. So... um, it's um, it's something that is bound to come 
at, at some stage we will we will use we will embrace uh, telehealth properly and so a lot of businesses that are forward thinking the innovation leaders in healthcare they have already embraced telehealth and are changing uh, the way they work and and offering it to their patients particularly right now where where the items are definitely still available um, we've de-risked our business by uh, supporting those those healthcare practitioners and uh, also to by going into the US uh, and offering our platform overseas where such changes have now uh, been embraced more fundamentally. All right, let's make a pivot here to the major theme of Series 9. We're really talking about success and we are asking entrepreneurs what they have identified as the key ingredients for success. So in your own experience, what would you say makes you and CoView successful? I'd say there are three key ingredients to our success. Number one is uh, building a scalable product, a product that can easily support thousands of practitioners was really key for us to embrace the growth uh, during the pandemic. So from the start, Thinking about your business model being scalable and your technology being scalable, that is really important. Um, The second part is to listen to your customers and always try and understand the needs of your customers better Uh, because they're the ones that you have to keep happy uh, because if if they're not happy, they will not pay. So uh, that's my second part, really focusing on the needs of the customer. And the third one is being persistent, not giving up easily because the digital transformation in your market, which as a technology entrepreneur you will ultimately rely on, might just not be quite coming in the speed that you're expecting it to. So you'll need to be persistent and you need to, to continue to believe in that transformation and to build for that transformation to be ready to to embrace it when it comes. And we, we already heard in the in the first segment really how because you were listening to your customers you took the product in new directions to service their needs more directly. So there was a depth of success that you managed to find there by listening. It's very important. Listening is like the most important part of a business, I think. So if you were advising another entrepreneur and I'm sure they're going to be coming to you and asking for your secrets. What would you be telling them to look for in themselves, in their startup, in their employees that would give them the best chance for success? As the leader of a of a startup, of a, of a new company, you got to find a problem that you're willing to commit to for a long term. So, so what I mean by that is um, there's a there's got to be a problem that you don't just want to spend a year or two on it. You might need to spend 10, 20 years on it. Or like uh, like the big guys, you know, uh, Facebook and Google, they dedicated their whole lives to it. So if you want to, want to build something sustainable, something successful, you do need to have some commitment, some personal commitment to it. Think of it at least being a 10-year commitment and then think about whether you're willing to do this. The second part that I would say is really important um, if uh, if you start a, a company is to really be con- persistent and consistently learn. Uh, you always have to learn, learn about your customers, uh, learn about your staff, uh, learn learn about even your board and how things work. As, as a startup founder, you have to be open to continuously learn new things. Um, and then finally, I would recommend getting staff that's committed to your vision and is very self-driven in its execution. 
Um, because as a, as a small company, you need to have people that all pull in the same direction, pull in the same uh, the, with the same uh, power, because otherwise um, you're not moving forward. So th those are probably the three key things that I would recommend. Which is a perfect line for me to come back and check on you in maybe two years. Sylvia, thank you so much for joining us once again on This Week in Startups Australia. Twista is proudly sponsored by Odoo. One of the toughest parts of building a company is choosing which tools and service providers to use. There are so many functions in a startup, and each space has endless vendors. Sales tools, email marketing, accounting, HR and payroll, project management, customer support, point of sale, e-commerce. It goes on and on, and eventually you end up with a Frankenstack of tools that cost a lot and don't integrate properly. Odoo is a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that lets you build and scale your stack as you build and scale your business. For instance, their accounting products are perfect for anyone who is ready to upgrade from Excel or QuickBooks, but doesn't want to break the bank with some of the more expensive options out there. It's simple and modular, so you use what you need and all of their apps integrate perfectly with each other. Your first app is free forever. And right now, Odoo is offering a $1,000 credit on your first implementation pack. That's not a joke. Take $1,000 off. Go to odoo.com slash twista to check it out. That's odoo.com slash twista. It is never easy to do a startup. And when you're doing a startup whose fortunes are in some ways tied to something that feels arbitrary, whether that's a government policy or the price of Bitcoin or whatever it might be, that is a very difficult area for any business person to negotiate, much less a startup entrepreneur who may not have the kind of depth of experience in negotiating these deep waters. You know, we, we heard Dean Durrell really talking about either stepping up with the government or stepping away and letting startups have their own place. But with Sylvia Pfeiffer and Coview, there's a real sticking point here, which is that she's working in health. We have socialized medicine in Australia. It works very well. But the other side of that coin is that because the medicine is socialized here, government policy has a huge impact on anything related to the medical system, whether that's technology, whether that's a treatment, whether that's a drug, whether that's the number of times a year you can go see a therapist or whatever it might be. There's a whole set of restrictions that are externally applied imposed that have to frame the possibilities within the system. And of course, it's done that way to manage the overall risk and the overall expense for everyone participating in the system. So we understand why it is. But it does mean that it's difficult. And of course, 
educators working in ed tech. So if an educator decides they're going to be a startup entrepreneur and starts an ed tech company, again, same set of issues because they're dealing with state departments of education or perhaps the federal departments of education. And they're also based on the whims of what is the current trend? What do people need? Now, the pandemic reset a lot of priorities and it made some very clear thinking moments of these are the things we need right now and therefore we're going to get them. And telehealth was one of those things. And telehealth clearly saved lives because it kept people at home so they were not infecting one another. It allowed us to control the virus very successfully here in Australia. Was it the only thing? No. It was part of a wide range of responses, but it was clearly an important part of that response. Does that mean that now that we're done with it, we should just let it go? Does that mean that we want everything to snap back into the world as it was before? And yes, there's a deep-seated need for that kind of surety and stability that we had in the world of February 2020. But let me tell you, that world is definitively gone. That world will not return. And the question now is how long will we hold on to the things that we had even though we no longer really have them? We only believe we do. And Sylvia's job is to bridge that gap, is to keep her business together and growing while Australia works out that, in fact, the world of the mid-2020s is different because of the pandemic and that a lot of the things that we learned during the pandemic are immensely important, immensely valuable. They will free up human capital. They will free up human time and they will make it more possible for us to do more for one another, particularly in the context of a health system that is now going to be servicing more needs because people are getting older. So there's a context for what Sylvia is doing that's beyond just a simple decision that perhaps the Minister for Health might make about whether Medicare payments will be extended to telehealth. It's a decision about the world that we exit collectively after the pandemic. What we do know is that all of the billions of dollars in IT infrastructure that we had in this country served us very well because it meant that kids could learn from home. Yeah, it wasn't great, but it was certainly better than nothing. People could work from home. Some people loved that. Some people eh, some people really wanted to get back into the office. But everyone knew that it was possible. So this new range of possibilities is open to us, and it's up to us to now think about how to make the most of those possibilities. Sylvia Pfeiffer looks like that possibility is going to be the wedge in which she launches a global startup. That She's going to go from Australia and then to America and then presumably all around the world with her tools. In every one of those areas, she will be faced with the same set of choices and dilemmas and basic capriciousness about a government making the wrong decision and effectively wiping her business out. That's just the nature of that kind of game. And it's a decision that every entrepreneur needs to contemplate carefully when they want to enter that kind of governmentally managed market. You're listening to This Week in Startups Australia. We will be right back. Twista is proudly sponsored by User Testing. Are you launching a new product, developing a new prototype, rolling out a new campaign? User Testing lets you see, hear, and talk to your customers to understand how they experience your brand, your product, and your services. Chubby's, a men's casual apparel brand, gained valuable insights by asking some of their customers to explain why they love their Chubby's shorts 
when they wore them last, even asking for new product suggestions to guide their product roadmap. So put yourself in your customer's shoes with user testing. Request your free trial at usertesting.com twista and get the fast human insights you need to make more informed business decisions at scale. As an entrepreneur who is very much on the path to success, Sylvia Pfeiffer has a number of very good, clear, simple observations about what success is. And the two things, of course, that she focused on were listening and persistence. You listen to your customers. When you listen to your customers, you understand what they like and what they don't like. And what they don't like isn't a criticism. It is an invitation to do better. And if an entrepreneur can hear that, they have got the first rung toward success. And then, of course, there's persistence, coming back and coming back and coming back. And Sylvia, you see, is doing it herself right now because she's dealing in a highly uncertain regulatory environment around telehealth. But she will persist. She will find ways through. So those two ideas of listening and persistence, those become the two strokes of an engine that can power a startup into success. Big thanks to Twista sponsors Odoo, User Testing, and Squarespace. Thanks to our production partners at UTS Startups for their assistance. Thanks to Sylvia Pfeiffer of Coview for making time to come on to our show. Come visit our website at twistartupsaus.com. It's got everything. It's got all the interviews, all the photos, and all the links to all the stories, so check it out at twistartupsaus.com. We'll be back next week talking with a startup entrepreneur who has her finger on the pulse of success. Until then, this is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening to This Week in Startups Australia.